0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, so as I recall, we had just finished the third antiphon. Does that sound right? Okay. So that would be on um, page 9, if you have page numbering the same on both sides, or page 14, if you have page numbering different on each side, depending on which edition you have, either page 14 or page 9. I could say page 13, 14, or page 9, 9. There we go. Clear as mud. So the small entrance, um, did I read this prayer, the small entrance, and talk about that, the angels a little bit? Okay. So we'll pick up from there. Um, The third antiphon is when we sing the hymn of the day. So in your bulletin, always the first hymn that's listed here under small entrance hymns. And this first hymn most often is a resurrectional hymn because Sunday is a feast of the resurrection. So we'll sing that resurrectional hymn. If it's a big feast, like uh, Theophany, the baptism of our Lord just happened, or Christmas, then this would be the hymn for Christmas, or Theophany, or whatever it may be. But otherwise, this is uh, on a regular Sunday, it would be the resurrectional hymn. And in fact, if it's a great feast, we'll sing the hymn of that feast, and then we'll still sing, sing the resurrectional hymn as well. We never neglect the resurrectional hymn. Because every Sunday is a mini Pascha. So it's sung once before the, the uh, clergy and the acolytes enter and then they do the entrance and then afterwards all the rest of the hymns are sung with that first one being sung a second time. Any questions about that? Because this is audience participation right here where you have uh, the bulletin, it's all printed out, it's ready for you to sing along. And in fact, there are eight different resurrectional hymns. You just learn them because there are only eight of them. you never have to learn more. It's just those eight. Um, And they just keep cycling through. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, Based on the mode. So that has to do with the the, uh, Byzantine music and the uh, the melody, if you will. So So those are the hymns uh, that we sing around the time of the small entrance and then we'll turn the page to page 15 or page 10 and we get to the thrice holy hymn or the trisagion hymn so it's, it's handy when it's called thrice holy because that's what trisagion means trisagion trisagion thrice, a good old English word Holy Hymn. So this is our first reference to the Th- Trisagion Hymn, <clears throat> and we'll come back to referencing this again in the liturgy. So we'll talk about it a little bit here. So in um, the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, um the prophet Isaiah has this vision of heaven. And he sees the cherubim and the seraphim glorifying God. And they're singing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord of Sabaoth. And um, in this vision then um, the Lord is saying, Who will I send out to my people? And then uh, Isaiah is thinking he's unclean and he can't do this. And so one of the cherubim or seraphim? I think it was a seraphim. One of the seraphim came down with a live coal from the, the incense that was being burned in the altar in heaven and touched his lips with that and thus cleansed him. And so then he said, Here I am, Lord. And then he began his, his ministry of being a, a prophet to the, the people of God. So this vision is the, the, the uh, starting point from Holy, Holy, Holy from the Trisagion hymn. And um, that hymn then has been expanded where we'll sing it on the following page as Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal. You don't need to turn the page yet because we're going to read this prayer first. Um, And so you might ask, so we went from Holy, Holy, Holy... And then we inserted Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal. Have mercy on us, is the rest of the the hymn. So, um, in Constantinople, there was a major earthquake, and we commemorate that earthquake in the fall. I don't remember what day, but in the fall every year we commemorate this earthquake. And um, as faithful people do, so we here in Portland, we can relate to big earthquakes, right? Because we're all talking about it. What did they do? First thing they did, they got together and prayed to God. They did a procession through the city, asking for God's mercy that this may pass. And so they were processing through the, the streets and singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. And then a child was lifted up into the air and lifted up so high he was out of sight. And then the child, a little while later, was gently brought down. And the child said that he was brought into the heavens. All these people saw this. So this isn't just like a nice story that we make up. All these people are there and see this. And he's brought down. And the the child says that he saw the worship of of the Holy Trinity in heaven. And there they were singing, Holy God. Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. So this is how we have the hymn. Because a child witnessed it in heaven. Um, And so then from that time forward, the church has incorporated this hymn into many different things. We say this whenever we say the Lord's Prayer, the proper way to say the Lord's Prayer, when we have our our, uh, prayers at home, really any time, is to begin with the Trisagion prayers. We say, Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. We say that three times. And with a little prayer in the middle, All Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. So that's another Trisagion prayers. It's the same thing. Another time that we hear the words, the Trisagion prayers, is also in relation to uh, when people fall asleep in the Lord. Because that's the first thing that we do when a person dies. Ideally, it's something that we do at the moment of their death. The faithful gather around the bed or the person, and they say the Trisagion service with a priest there. Um, and this service begins with Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. And much of that, um, that service is contained in the memorial service that we say on um, the 40-day and one year and other memorials of people's, uh, people's falling asleep. So uh, this is a hymn that we use throughout the church all the time. <clears throat> and that's why it's called the Trisagion Hymn is because it's holy, holy, holy. So let's read the prayer that introduces this. This prayer is normally read by the priest silently or uh, not quite audibly. Um, typically, while the other the hymns of the small entrance are being sung, the priest is saying this prayer. Holy God, who rests in the saints, who are praised with the thrice holy hymn by the seraphim and glorified by the cherubim and worshipped by every heavenly power. So, when we hear the word power... We should always understand that to be angels. This comes from the Old Testament, Lord of the Powers. Um, so it's the angelic powers. So when you see the word of the powers, just remember it's shorthand for angels. But it's a literal translation from the Greek, the nameos who brought all things from non-existence into being, who fashioned man in your image and likeness and adorned him with all your gifts of grace, who have given wisdom and understanding to the supplicant and do not overlook the sinner but established repentance for salvation, who deemed us your lowly and unworthy servants, worthy to stand again at this hour before the glory of your holy altar and to offer you due worship and doxology. So all of that, um, a couple of weeks ago I talked about how prayers, and especially the longer prayers follow this form. There's an intro, an introduction, which is um, talking about God's actions or qualities of God. And then there's the request can't have a prayer without a request, right? That's the purpose of the prayer, is a request. And then there's a closing. And the closing in within the liturgy, the closing is always the part that's said out loud. It's called an ekphonesis, out loud. <clears throat> so what I just read, all the way up to uh, worship and doxology, you look at what portion of the prayer that is, and more than half of the prayer, that's all the introduction. If you look back over it, what I just read, it's all talking about the the things God has done, the qualities of God, who's, you know, the angels are worshipping him. And it's always, um, you see this, who, 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 who. Um, In Greek, these are um, um, participles, but we don't have that in English. So it it would normally be one one word. This would be far more condensed in the Greek. Although it doesn't look like it very well on that page, but it is. Um, So all of that is talking about God, but now we get to the heart of it. Because... We, we offer our prayers in doxology, which is in worship of God. That's the first part of the prayer. And then we offer our prayers to God with requests, with the desires for our loved ones or for ourselves. So that's what we'll enter into now. But oh, Master, accept also from the lips of us sinners the thrice holy hymn. So now we look at the, what the verbs are. We're asking him to accept our, um, the thrice holy hymn from us and to visit us in your kindness. So the angels, of course, are already worshiping God and He is already accepting their hymns. We're asking, can we join them? Can we sing hymns just like the angels and will you accept those? And then furthermore, forgive us every offense, both voluntary and involuntary. Sanctify our souls and bodies and grant us to worship you in holiness all the days of our life through the intercessions of the Holy Theotokos and of all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages. So a lot of a lot of requests right within that little part there. Any questions about the, the prayer? And then the closing is, For holy are you, our God, and to you we send up glory, to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and to ages of ages. Amen. So, um, Before we go further, I, I, I think I would like to re- actually read that passage from Isaiah so that we really get a sense of what it's like up there in the heavens where God is uh, being glorified. So I'll use my phone. And... Oh. Okay. In the year King Uzziah died... Oh. There we go. In the year King Mosiah died... I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And you see this iconographically in most churches. uh, When they're actually ornamented with all of the iconography, you'll see this little, it's like a face with six wings around it. And that's the seraphim. As described by Isaiah. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of Sabaoth. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the Lord of hosts means the Lord of the heavenly hosts, so the Lord of the angels. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Now notice that's plural. Who will go for us? So again, these little intimations of the Trinity, even within the Old Testament. Then I said, Here am I, send me. And then the Lord then gives the, the message that He is to send to the people. So again, that's from Isaiah chapter 6. Okay, so we read the Trisagion prayer. And then we turn the page, and this is the Trisagion hymn. So we are joining with the angels in singing and glorifying God. Singing to and glorifying God. And we sing this hymn together. And then um, this hymn is sung three times. So if you look at the footnote on the bottom of page 18 or page 11, depending on which book. It says there's uh, two alternatives to this hymn. So on uh, very few feasts, some of the greatest feasts of the church, and then also a feast of the cross, we'll instead of singing the Trisagion hymn, we will sing one of these two hymns. The first one is, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, hallelujah. And you might say, why is this hymn about baptism being sung? This is from one of St. Paul's uh, epistles. And this is because typically on these great feasts, there were baptisms occurring. So this would have been a day when the catechumen were received into the body of Christ. So we we retain that and we still sing those on the greatest feasts of Christ and on uh, Lazarus Saturday, a couple of other examples. And then on feasts of the cross, instead we sing this hymn to the cross. Your cross do we worship, O Master, and we glorify your holy resurrection. Generally, throughout the year, this is what we're singing as the Trisagion hymn. Any questions about anything? Captive audience here. So, um, at the bottom of that page, page eighteen, or if you turn to page twelve, if you have the other book, we have the Apostolic reading. So this is a reading from one of the epistles, most often an epistle of St. Paul, because he's the most prolific writer in the New Testament. And this is read from the epistle book, which is kept at the chant stand, and this is read by someone, one of the, the chanters come forward and read something from the epistles. And um, these readings are on a set calendar that we have throughout the year. The the calendar is centered around Pascha, so we start at Pascha, and then we just count weeks from Pascha all the way around until we get to the period before uh, Lent, called the Triodium. Then we have certain readings through Lent, Holy Week, and then we get back to Pascha again, and we repeat the cycle again. Now where that changes is that in addition to this Paschal cycle, there's also the cycle of the year, January through December liturgically September through August is the liturgical year. So these two things are going simultaneously and so where they happen to line up on a particular day it might be the tenth week after Pascha and the epistle is this particular epistle. But oh, we look on the calendar and we see that on the tenth week after Pascha it's the nativity of the forerunner because on, it's a January 24th this year. It, it, that The tenth week of Pascha happens to be January 24th. And since it's a, a great feast of the forerunner, instead the epistle will be for the forerunner, instead of what it would be, if it were, the tenth week after Pascha. That's just an example. So every year, the, these two are, are moving in their respective ways, and then they on any calendar day of the year, a particular thing is falling. So today is a good example. Um, If you looked in your bulletin, which you don't have to pull out if you don't have it, under the epistle reading, after it says what it is, Hebrews, in parentheses it says for St. John Chrysostom. And then if you flip over to the gospel, it says 15th Sunday of Luke. What does that mean? means that we change the epistle because today is January 27th. In addition to being the 15th Sunday of Luke, it's also January 27th. And because January 27th is this feast for St. John Chrysostom, the church has said, let's read that epistle instead. So we put that epistle in. Whereas if if, uh, this Sunday next year is January 26th, the saint might not be as highly commemorated and therefore we will just stick with whatever the epistle is based on Pascha. It's confusing, but questions? <laughs> questions? And there are smart people at the Patriarchate who put together books for us to follow. <laughs> Any questions about that? No? Yes, yep, exactly. So, uh, if if you ever want to follow along with the hymns of the church more fully, liturgy pretty much you have the book, and then we have the Sunday bulletin. But for orthros, for vespers, for a weekday liturgy, uh, especially the orthros of weekdays, um, there's a website called Ages Initiatives, both plural. Ages Initiatives. Okay? Okay? And um, when you go to that website, you can enter into what's called the digital chant stand. DCS, digital chant stand you have a choice of either Byzantine notation or Western notation you think, I don't read music, I don't need that but you kind of have to pick one of those even if you don't look at the music so you, you, pick, on one of, you pick one of those and then it will show all the calendar days that are around now and you just click on the calendar day and you say, oh I want to look at the, the Matins they usually, uh, on ages they call Matins they call Orthros Matins it's the same thing So you can go there and click on it and print out the service and then you bring it with you. You can also do it on your phone. They do have an app as well as long as you turn your phone to airplane mode after you get that. (laughs) Yes? So, as I understand it, many holy days are relative to Pascha. But there are other holy days that are not relative to Pascha. Yeah. So let me erase this a little bit. You're saying that you're reading the readings are relevant to Fasca. So how does that fit in with the fact that yeah. Fosca according to the uh, Julian calendar and uh-huh. pretty much celebrated? Fosca. Everything else on the Gregorian calendar, yeah. Yeah. It's even more confusing, huh? So uh, we have fixed feasts, and this means by the calendar and then we have variable, and these are based upon Pascha. Okay, so now I'm going to ask for some, so the question was, we have these feasts that are related to Pascha, and some that aren't related to Pascha, and we have these two calendars, and how does it all work out? So let's talk about fixed feasts. Those are feasts that are on a particular calendar day. What are some of those? Christmas. Or I should say Nativity. <laughs> yeah, or Nativity, if you're good Orthodox. No, either way is fine. Okay, Theophany. Presentation in the temple. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, well, we have two we have the meeting in the temple. And then we also have, for the, the Panagia, we have the uh, presentation in the temple. I could go on. I, I won't do all of these, but some other big ones that we have. Dormition. Yep. Yep, the elevation of the cross. Cross. Okay because the veneration of the cross is actually a particular Sunday in Lent so that's related to this so now we get over here so the variable feasts Pascha what else? which is Easter what else? Pentecost ascension Ascension. yeah so we have things like Sunday of Orthodoxy so these are um, more minor feasts as well I don't know if I spelled that right Is that an S? It's an S. There we go. Okay, so those are some of the great feasts. Um, And then all the things of Holy Week, Palm Sunday. Okay. So these two things, they just line up in different ways. Um, This based on calendar days, and this based on when Pascha is. So one way to think of it is like, here's the, the, the 12 months of the year. Okay, and what you would do is you would just lay this little piece on here let's say this is it okay? and this is the Paschal cycle right here in the the middle is Pascha and then we go all the way back to Lent and we go all the way forward to Pentecost that's the whole Paschal cycle so this here just kind of wiggles back and forth each year now it's early, now it's later now it's early, now it's later the thing is that also this affects all the readings of the rest of the year as well so where that is, okay? Some people, yeah. All the calendar that we use for the things that aren't related to Pascha modified Julian rather than Gregorian. But is there actually any difference? Oh The question is about Julian and Gregorian. So the calendar that we follow is the Julian calendar for Pascha and the Gregorian calendar for everything else non-Pasca related. So that those two together could be called a modified Julian calendar. All of that together. yeah. So yeah, because this is based on the Gregorian calendar and this is based on the Julian calendar, which I don't want to quite get into too much right now. But we can talk about the First Council, we can talk about lots of things. Okay. So that gives you a little bit about the readings, where the readings come from. And the nice thing is that you can all pick up a world calendar for free, and it has all the readings for every single day of the year. Or you can use your apps on your phone, or you can... There are lots of places to look. So um, Because they do change every year. And in some sense, every single day is unique. Because we didn't even talk about the weekly cycle as well. So, because every week is a cycle that centers around Sunday being the day of the resurrection. Because January 27th is a Sunday this year, next year it won't be January 27th, it'll be a different day. Of the, it's January 27th will be a different day of the week, and that will affect things. Okay, so those are the, re- the apostolic readings, and then we turn the page and we have the, the gospel readings. And, um, oh... I'm sorry for you people who have the older version. Um, so, on page 20, and it doesn't appear on page 13, is the prayer that the priest says before the gospel. So, I'll read it out loud. Or, actually, I'll just, yeah, I'll read it out loud. Shine within our hearts, O Master, who loves mankind, the untainted light of your divine knowledge, and open the eyes of our reasoning to comprehend your gospel teachings. Instill also in us the fear of your your blessed commandments, that having trampled down all desires of the flesh, we may pursue the spiritual way of life, both thinking and doing all things that are well-pleasing to you. For you are the illumination of our souls and bodies, O Christ our God. And to you we send up glory together with your Father, who is without beginning, and your all-holy, good, and life-giving spirit now and ever into the ages of ages. Amen. So this prayer is read, again, silently by the priest, but this is a, a worthwhile prayer that you could say every time that you open up the Bible, is read this prayer, because what is this prayer recognizing? It's not plain language. The Bible is not plain language. It's not something where you just open it up and you read it and you get it. It's not and this is where we fundamentally disagree with other people who call themselves Christians. Because our understanding of the Bible is informed by the Holy Spirit. And that is concretely given to us through the church. So our understanding of the Bible, if, if it was plain knowledge, then we wouldn't need to read it more than once. You read it once, you get it. Kind of like you read the DMV manual. You get it, and you're done. The Bible is not that. The Bible is something where over stages of your life, in particular days, in particular moments of days, you read something and you go, Wow, I never saw it that way. Or you read it and you go, Wow, God gave that to me right here and now because that's what I needed. So that's the beauty of reading what the church gives us on the calendar rather than just sort of flipping through. It's not a bad thing to ever read the Bible. It's a good thing, okay? So do it. Um, But I would say the starting point would be what the Church has given us, as far as the readings every day. And as a side note, you'll read through the entire New Testament, basically, uh, in one year when you read uh, the, the appointed readings. You'll also read through much of the books of Genesis, Isaiah, Proverbs. So you'll read quite a bit of the Bible just by doing the readings that are appointed. Um, and so, uh, this prayer points out that we receive our knowledge from the Bible, from God. And that's, that's where it comes from. Any thoughts or questions on that? Any. Okay. So we'll move forward. So read that prayer. It's a worthwhile prayer. In in the liturgy, feel free to read that prayer. So, all of the prayers, in fact... Because all of the prayers, other than one that we're about to get to, which says, I, all of the other prayers say, we, our, us. What does that mean? It's not just for the priest. The priest is saying it on behalf of the people. So we turn, uh, so right after the gospel is the, the traditional time at which the gospel is expounded upon through a homily or sermon. And so we, we maintain that tradition. Some Orthodox churches will do it at the end of the liturgy, um, but this is the more traditional place, is right after the Gospel, so that it's fresh in our minds and then we can have it explicated a little bit more. And then, um, so this ends the first portion of the liturgy, which we call the Liturgy of the Word. That's the first portion, which leads is leading all the way up until the Epistle and the Gospel. And it's signified by the small entrance. The priest is carrying the Gospel book. So now we're making a turning point and we'll be entering into what's called the Liturgy of the Faithful or also the Liturgy of the Eucharist. And this is a crescendo up to the receiving of the Body and Blood of Christ. It's also symbolized by another entrance where the priest is now holding what? The chalice and the paten And so that's what's processed with. So... Um, some very clear visuals for what part of the liturgy we are in. So we enter into the, the great litany of fervent supplication. And a litany, as I've said before, is a series of small prayers. And the people offer their affirmation by saying, Kiri eleison, Lord have mercy. And so I won't read through all of these litanies. But, what? Is it? Okay. That's okay. I thought someone had something for me. So, um... So uh, this litany, um, it goes in greater detail. Um, Well, let me read some of these. So if we we flip to the bottom of 24 or on page 15. Again, we pray for mercy, life, peace, health, salvation, visitation, forgiveness, and remission of sins of the servants of God. That's a lot of things that we're asking for. For who? For all the pious and orthodox Christians who are dwelling in and visiting this city, the parishioners, parish councils, stewards, and benefactors of this holy church. So, it's interesting to note those who are specifically called out, although it's everyone who's dwelling in or visiting this city... Uh, every uh, faithful and pious Orthodox Christian. But specifically, uh, it mentions the parishioners, the parish council, those who have been entrusted to lead the church, the stewards, those who are helping to support the church on a regular basis, and the benefactors, those who are giving huge benefactions to the church. So these are specifically called out. Uh, Also the litany right before that, we pray for all of the the ordained or those who have a special role within the church, the priests, the higher monks, the deacons, the monastics, and all our brotherhood in Christ. So then we turn to page 26, or you stay on page 15 if you're there. The one last litany that I want to read there. Actually, I'll read the last two. Uh, we pray for the blessed and ever-lauded founders of this holy church and for all our Orthodox fathers and brethren gone to rest before us who have fallen asleep in the faith here and everywhere. So look at that. If you have helped to found a church... Okay, three minutes. If you have helped to found a church, you'll be commemorated forever by that church. Isn't that a profound thought? So uh, I mentioned about at the, um, the consecrating of a church how the names of the, the living and departed within the community at that time, they're written on little papers and it's scrolls and put into the altar with the relics. So just think all of those names. And by God's grace, if God wills, all of us will be a part of that, uh, hopefully as the living, but perhaps as the departed, uh, when the church gets consecrated, that those names will then be commemorated at each liturgy. So then we turn... Um, for the people who have page 15, you turn to page sixteen. the others stay. Uh, again, we pray for those who bring offerings and do good works, for this holy and all-venerable temple, those who labor, who chant, and for the people who are present, who eagerly await your great and rich mercy. So we're calling out specifically those who are offering their good works to the church. Okay, and then there's a small prayer. Um Lord our God, accept this fervent supplication from your servants and have mercy on us according to the abundance of your mercy and send down your compassion upon us and all your people who eagerly await your great and rich mercy. For your merciful God who loves mankind and to you we send up glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit now and ever and to ages of ages. Amen. So I think I'll stop here just because we're entering into the catechumen part and I would like to read that as a separate thing. So we will next week um, be studying the entreaty for the catechumens. Any final questions? Okay, let's rise for prayer. The Lord our God, Accept our fervent supplications and prayers, and have mercy on us according to the abundance of your mercy, and send down your compassion upon us and all your people who eagerly await your great and rich mercy. For you are a merciful God who loves mankind, and to you we send up glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and to ages of ages. Amen.